This is Radio Energy News. Good afternoon, it's a cloudy day here in Edinburgh and you're listening to Radio Energy. I'm Rose Monker bringing you the top news stories for you wherever you are in Edinburgh today. Here are the headlines for Wednesday the 26th of April. It's hard to, to accept that it's actually a, a meaningful thing at all, I have to say. The not proven verdict to be scrapped in Scottish courts and Edinburgh food banks suffer from shortages. I think just people stopped donating because they weren't able to. The Pope Francis has announced women the right to vote as well. Stay tuned for more local and national news to come. This is Radio Energy News. Recently announced Scottish not proven verdict in courts to be abolished under new bill to be discussed by Scottish members of Parliament. Here is Juliet Weatherstone with the report. Scotland is one of the only countries which offers three possible verdicts in a criminal case. Guilty, not guilty and not proven. The controversial verdict is due to be scrapped under a new bill to be discussed by the Scottish Members of Parliament. The not proven verdict is the exact same as the not guilty verdict. The accused is acquitted and seen as innocent in eyes of the law. As another part of the sweeping reforms to Scotland's criminal justice system, the number of jurors in criminal trials will be reduced from 15 to 12. There have been many calls to scrap the not proven verdict in recent years, as families of victims believe it is unfair and that they are left without closure. Critics of the verdict say that it can create a stigma around the accused as the status of their conviction remains unclear. As stated by the Law Society of Scotland, some legal experts suggest that this can offer an additional protection for those accused by ensuring that there will be no conviction if there is any doubt on the juror's side. The roots of the verdict go back to the 17th century, however there is no definition of the term not proven or a way to differentiate it from a not guilty verdict. Reporter Liam Yunson spoke to Napier University law expert Peter Mullen. What's your opinion on the scrapping of the not proven verdict? You know, it's, it, it's hard to, to accept that it's actually a, a meaningful thing at all, I have to say. Um, I have to say the idea that, that you would get rid of a verdict might change um, the results in cases, I think, perhaps undermines juries at the moment. You know, it's almost suggesting at the moment they're getting things wrong when they choose not proven by taking it away from them. Um, I, I don't think they are getting it wrong. I don't think it will have actually any impact on convictions, if I'm perfectly honest. So why do you think they're getting rid of the verdict? Uh, possibly because nobody really fully understands what the difference is between not proven and not guilty. I mean, I, I, can, I can tell you now that I, I read from, you, uh, from the jury manual where judges are told what to say to a jury about not proven and not guilty. And they are specifically told it is dangerous to attempt to explain any difference between the not proven and not guilty verdicts. So it's dangerous for judges to try and explain the difference. If that's the case, then arguably there there is a bit of a problem. According to Rape Crisis Scotland, evidence shows that in rape and attempted rape cases, the jury are reluctant to convict due to the struggle to find evidence. They say that the existence of the not proven verdict gives juries in these types of trial an easy way out. 44% of rape cases resulted in a not proven verdict. Chief Executive of Rape Crisis Scotland said that because of the verdict, there's no doubt that guilty men are walking free. I went out to interview the public to see what they think about the changes to the Scottish court system. 
when it comes to like sexual offence cases, I yeah. don't think it's fair on the victim. Yeah. I think for like you were saying for a sexual case, I think how would I feel if that was me? And you think, well, he either did it or he didn't, or she did it. Can not quite agree with that? Well, like, so they can walk away. And then they can end up. Oh, yeah. you know, vice versa. Vice versa. So it's this, it's like everything that depends on the evidence. They need to have the evidence. Exactly. Exactly. A fairer, safer alternative to, to the others to arbitrate. With the ever-changing economic landscape in a post-coronavirus Scotland, many citizens have turned to food banks and community hubs for more support. However, within Edinburgh, many food banks are struggling to provide assistance to those in need. Andra Kozlovka and TJ Pullen report. Due to the cost of living crisis, food banks have become more important in communities than ever before, with a 93% raise in demand for food services in Scotland since 2022. Just last year, 200,000 Scots relied on food parcels from independent food banks. While the demand for food donations has increased, the level of support and donations food banks received has not. We asked Fiona, an employee of the Edinburgh City Mission organisation, whether she'd noticed a decline in donations in recent weeks. In recent weeks, I'm not sure. Um, overall, since the pandemic, definitely, um, because uh, yeah, I think just people stopped donating because they weren't able to. Um, so what we're having to do now is buy food in. Um, some of the food banks uh, are able are getting donations directly to them and um, through supermarkets as well. Uh, customer donations. Um, so one of our food banks is solely kept by customer donations, which has been the case for quite a long time. Andy, the manager of the co-op located on Dalry Road in Edinburgh, was asked how often people donate food. Yeah, less every day. There's stuff on the table every day and then we want to accumulate and then we box it up and take it down to the Salvation Army point. Fiona told us what food is needed at the moment. Um, so tinned food largely, so long, long life food is what's needed. Um, tinned vegetables, tinned meat, um, things like rice, um, anything that's kind of long life, um, really. So your sort of staple store cupboard. We also asked Fiona whether they provide a long-term support for people in need. We've got some people on repeat. Yeah, we try and... Um, so our food banks really are for people who are experiencing a crisis. Um, so it would be fairly short-term for most people. Um, we would want to see them over that crisis. And sometimes it might be that their benefits are delayed. So it's quite a short period of time yeah. but um, some people like no recourse to public funds refugees or some people who have long-term issues um, or debt uh, we would see for longer term. The co-op manager answered our question if in his opinion food donations help to bring the community together. I would certainly say it would, would help the community definitely it's, it's a big help because in these climates that we've got the new with the it's, it's just you know every little helps. If you or anyone in the community is in need of assistance, there are more than 70 food banks across Edinburgh. Donations in the form of non-perishable food or monetary contributions are accepted, as well as volunteer hours. And now to the local news stories with Alex Bloor. The annual firework display, which signals the end of the Edinburgh International Festival, is set to end after 40 years. Organisers have said the world-famous event would not run this summer as it does not have a sponsor. There are usually about 400,000 fireworks in the display using four tonnes of explosives. However, since the Covid pandemic, the fireworks have struggled to gain sponsors. I mean, I think it's a shame that like the fireworks will be gone. Like, 
me and the wife used to enjoy the spectacle because we did we live like you know close by but nah it's sponsors should be doing better to like you know provide for the city and all that a probe has been launched after the sudden death of a teenage soldier at the Glencorse Barracks. Police were called early on Tuesday morning. A 17-year-old male was found dead at the scene. Although police are treating the death as unexplained, there does not appear to be any suspicious circumstances. An army spokesperson said, Our thoughts are with the soldier's family and friends at this difficult time. Fans and mourners have bid a final goodbye to boxing legend Ken Buchanan after a memorial procession through Edinburgh. Hundreds of people lined the streets in a tribute to the former lightweight champion. The love from the funeral attendance was made apparent by the applause and cheers as the hearse drove by. Breaking Bad fans are gobsmacked after finding Bob Odenkirk climbing the after's seat this morning. He stopped to chat and take pictures with fans before heading back off on his hike. Bob is due to continue his book tour, which is to conclude in Newcastle this evening. Thank you, Alex. Pope Francis has now allowed women to vote for the first time in history at the meeting of bishops after years of demand from women. Here is Jack Carson with more on this story. In October 2021, Pope Francis said in an interview with Vatican News that the contribution of women in building a world that is home for everyone is irreplaceable. And in July 2022, he nominated three women in the members of the Dissectory for Bishops, which was the first time the women were appointed. This new decision is to allow more civilian influence over the Catholic Church and to give women more power and a say in the church matters. Ever since the 1960s, Second Vatican Council that modernised the church, popes over the years have summoned bishops from all over the globe for a meeting in Rome for just a few days in order to discuss topics and votes on future plans. Until now, the only people that could vote were men. He slowly gave women more power on the Roman Catholic Church, and now with women being allowed to vote at the future bishop meetings, it is a massive step in the correct direction. That was Pope Francis commenting on putting five women into the church and the positive effects that has brought to the Catholic Church. He claimed women know how to move forward. Catholics' women groups have long criticised the church for treating them as second-class citizens. However, after hearing the news, they immediately praised the move as historic in the history of the church, and many believe that Pope Francis has done more than any pope in recent time to give women more power. The aim of these changes is also to include younger people in these meetings, and under the new rules, there will be five sisters that will be joining along with five priests as representatives for religious order. Pope Francis has also delegated 17 non-bishop members and made half of these women as well. We reached out to the Scottish Catholic Media Office for comment on this story and they politely declined to comment. And now for a roundup of national and international headlines from Eric Clisht. 
UK nationals have been rescued from the Sudan conflict in four evacuation flights. The first plane landed in London Stansted Airport at around 2.30 this afternoon after initially landing in Cyprus this morning. The UK has faced criticism for its slow evacuation process, although Home Secretary Suella Braverman has defended her government's response. We've got a larger cohort compared to many other countries. We have an extensive operation to support diplomats, but also British passport holders, British nationals, their dependents, and we've commenced our evacuation, and it's in process as we speak. Conservative MP Andrew Bridgen has said his party made an example of him after he was expelled for comparing COVID-19 vaccines to the Holocaust and breaking lobbying rules. Bridgen, who represents Northwest Leicestershire, had already been stripped of the Conservative Party whip in January after he called the COVID-19 vaccine rollout the biggest crime against humanity since the Holocaust. But now he has been permanently expelled from the party, meaning he will have to stand as an independent in the next parliamentary elections. Bridgen said that he is grateful for his newfound freedom and that he intends to stand again at the next election. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has held a phone call with Chinese President Xi Jinping, their first contact since the war began in February 2022. Zelensky shared on Twitter that the call would give a powerful impetus to the development of our bilateral relations. President Xi has repeatedly said Beijing is neutral in the Russia-Ukraine conflict, despite having already spoken with Russian President Vladimir Putin on several occasions. The Bank of England's chief economist, Hugh Pill, has said that people would need to accept they are poorer rather than continue to ask for higher wages, which he says drives inflation and raises prices. The Times economics correspondent R.T. Nachiapan said that Mr. Pill ignored the wider context. The kind of lack of real wage growth that we've seen since the financial crisis. I think also the fact that we're dealing with a crisis of essentials at the moment, so it's food and energy that are really pushing up household bills. And if you're a poorer household, that's going to hit you more than a wealthy central banker's household. Thank you, Eric. And for more topics discussed today, tune into our political podcast with Emma Lato, Noor Manoir and Esme Anderson. Ahead of King Charles's King coronation on the 6th of May, we are bringing you the latest royal news. Here with me I have royal correspondent Kian Banning with the recent developments. Welcome back to Radio Energy's Royal Roundup. Firstly, Sinn Féin Vice President Michelle O'Neill has accepted the invitation to attend the coronation of King Charles. Despite being the head of the Republican Party who want to unify Ireland, she said it will demonstrate the commitment of building good relations and advance peace throughout the country. There are those in our community that have a British identity and allegiance to the monarchy and I think it's important that I, as a First Minister for All, can be respectful of their viewpoint and also I can represent all the people in our community. Prince Harry has claimed that his brother William received a large sum of money from Rupert Murdoch in 2020. This came while Harry was given evidence in his court case against newsgroup newspapers. The Duke of Sussex alleged Prince William received the payout as part of a secret agreement and accused the Queen of being involved in the deal. Harry is suing newsgroup newspapers for what he describes as unlawful information gathering alongside actor Hugh Grant. The allegations were further cool the relationship between Harry and William, already fraught after Harry published his memoir, Spare, earlier this year. And finally, a bust of King Charles has been revealed, made from 2,875 pieces of melted celebrations chocolate. 17 litres of mel- melted chocolate were used to make a life-size statue. Weighing over 23 kilos, it features Twix, Milky Way, Galaxy and Bounty celebrations on the King's shoulder. And Edinburgh Local will give her opinion on the statue. I think the chocolate bust is a waste of time and money because um, it's going on display, so they're not even going to melt the chocolate down and use it again. So they've just spent lots of um, workers' time and money from the company making it to not even use the chocolate, just, just for the King. 
The profile will be on display at Mars Wrigley headquarters in Slough. That's all from this week's Royal Roundup. Join us next week for our final roundup ahead of the coronation on the 6th of May. Thank you, Kian. Here is a look at this week's top sporting news with Luca Duvall's. Now, the latest sport highlights on Radio Energy. In football, Stuart Robertson, the managing director of Rangers, has announced he will be leaving the club this summer, with James Bisgrove set to become the club's new chief executive officer. Robertson, along with departing sporting director Ross Wilson, have come under severe scrutiny in previous months. They were the target of several fan protests in response to an on-and-off-field decisions at the club. Manchester City have the chance to pile on the pressure on Arsenal's title hopes as they face off in a winner-takes-all clash at the Etihad Stadium. The Gunners were, have a massive opportunity to go eight points clear in the title race, with Mikel Arteta stressing the importance of the fixture in what is a must-win for the North London side. Those situations, as they made you a better coach, you know, they made you understand the team better and... And it's just incredible to be in the position that we are in, uh, trying to prepare the game as we always do to win it. Last night, Burnley followed up their promotion and were crowned champions of the Skybet Championship after a 1-0 victory over Blackburn in the East Lancashire Derby. A wonder goal from Manuel Benson ensured Burnley would leave Ewood Park with all three points. Speaking after the game, Vincent Company has welcomed the celebrations. Now we've got momentum, so we just want to keep winning. So any game that comes after that will still be the same preparations, same goal, but... They deserve to celebrate. It's a once-in-a-lifetime once occasion. You, you can't get it much better. In tennis, 20-year-old British number one Emma Raducanu has withdrawn from the Madrid Open over a hand injury. Raducanu was set to play Bulgarian Victoria Tomova in the first round this afternoon and subsequently dropped outside the WTA's top 100. And finally, former Scotland captain Greg Leedlaw has announced his retirement from professional rugby. Leedlaw received 76 caps for the national team and has been residing in Japan playing for Yurayasu D-Rocks for the past three seasons. Leedlaw now intends to go into coaching and plans to stay in Japan for the foreseeable future. For more, Andrew Morrison, Adam Belosco and Callum Duncan will deep dive into the latest sports news in our sports podcast. And finally, the Highland Wildlife Park has announced they've received approval for a licence to begin releasing young wildcats into the Cairngorms National Park. Here's reporter Luke Fleming with the details. In a major step towards restoring Scotland's critically endangered wildcat population, Nature Scott has approved a licence application from the Saving Wildcats Partnership to release young wildcats in the Kingland's National Park later this year. The European wildcats that crossed from the continent into Britain around 9,000 years ago are now on the brink of extinction in Scotland with only between 100 and 300 of them left in the wild. The Cairngorms National Park, where the cats are being released, is a very popular hiking location for tourists and locals alike, so the introduction of these shy and solitary animals may bring a boost to tourism and create an exciting opportunity for wildcat watching trips. In order to get 20 specially bred cats ready for freedom this summer in the Highland Wildlife Park, rangers transferred them into pre-release enclosures, to reduce contact with people, the animals have been housed in enclosures that closely resemble the habitat in which they dwell. This is the first of a planned series of trial releases to help restore Scotland's severely endangered wildcat population, and it marks the first conservation fence location of wildcats in Britain. David Barclay, the off-site conservation manager for Saving Wildcats, said, It is fantastic to have passed this critical milestone in the project, 
and exciting to take another important step forward in the plans to release wildcats this year. He added, The journey to restore a viable wildcat population in Scotland is just beginning, and we are incredibly grateful for the efforts of our team members, partners and supporters whose expertise has been crucial to reach this point. Saving Wildcats is led by the Royal Zoological Society of Scotland in collaboration with Nature Scott, Forestry and Land Scotland, the Cairngorms National Park Authority, Northern's Ark and other EU-based conservation organisations. In an interview with STV News, Dr Helen Sen had this to say about the programme. The cats have just been moved to the pre-release enclosures, which are large naturalistic enclosures, which have climbing structures in them and lots of space so the cats can move around and really be fit before they're released into the wild. Dr Catherine Lees, Nature Scott's Head of Biodiversity, said, This journey is not without difficulty and we know that there are more hurdles to overcome before we reach the point where we are ready to release the wildcats into carefully selected areas of the Cairngorms National Park. She added that habitat loss, persecution and more recently breeding with domestic cats have forced the species to a point where the population is no longer viable as purebred wildcats no longer exist. The cats being released were born in 2021 at the Saving Wildcats Breeding for Release Centre, which is the first of its kind in the UK. A further breeding programme has also begun to ensure the continuation of the reintroduction programme with aims to release more wildcat pairs and their kittens in a year's time. This initiative to release young wildcats into the wild is a positive step towards conserving the species and restoring their population. We will keep you updated on any further developments. This is Radio Energy. Travel. Breakdown on the M90 Junction 1C to 1B, a breakdown on the Edinburgh City Bypass from the A7 to the A68 and roadworks on the A721 West Calder. Approach all with caution. Now, the weather on Radio Energy. Today's weather, highs of 7 degrees, mainly dry and rather cloudy, but a few light showers developing later this afternoon. Those were the top news stories for this hour. Once again, I am Rose Monker and thank you for listening to Radio Energy.